if you're trying to make any kind of meaningful, effective change in your life, well, you have come to the right place because that is what my expert guests and I are here to help you do. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where all we do is talk shift because when we're stuck and need to rise to a challenge, make a health shift, a relationship or an emotional shift, well, the first thing we have to shift, my friends, is our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. I'm Lori Bischoff, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get busy. Hey, guys. Our conversation, oh, my God, with Nolan, Saban, Mark, and Lennon, we had so much to cover. There were so many good points and so many takeaways that uh, we had to run into two parts. So get ready. Here's part two of my conversation with the Karma Quads. Let me ask you this. What do you guys think that, right around you know your your peers um around that age what do you think that they are most excited about and most fearful of that's a great question you gotta think about that one for a second yeah. um in terms of excitement i feel like we don't hang around yeah. <laughs> i could say fearful but, but. Just go with fearful then. What are they most afraid of? What is everybody, what is the most angst and anxiety about as far as where people's minds are right now that are, you know, in your age group? Everyone is afraid of failing, for sure, failures, 100%. And Notre Dame, it's 100%. So everyone's afraid, I think, really, of failing in what society defines as success, which kind of keeps everyone in the bubble of only considering what's successful is what is society considers successful. It's kind of this conforming system. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I see kids do it all the time. Like Notre Dame students, which is, I mean, I peers are just running from extracurricular to classes to like, literally like the thing at Notre Dame is you don't hang out with anyone Sunday through Thursday, like, or like a quick 30 minute dinner and, and like, shut down your food and get back to work. And, and that includes yourself. And that includes yourself. No, working on yourself is totally out of the question. And I think it all stems from everyone's afraid that they're going to appear like a failure if they don't land a great first job or get a great GPA or anything like that. Yeah. And just to add to that, I think at the root of that is they just, everyone just wants the approval of the people around them. And failure would make it seem, would it be met with disapproval. We, we know this. We competed mm-hmm. so obsessively. All we really wanted was to be loved of and approved of by our others. But we felt so harshly judged that we had to go to all these extremes to prove to each other and to ourselves that we were enough. Rise above the judgment. Yes. Right? Instead of having a just not judge you. Yes. And because mm-hmm. of that, we see that problem playing up so much uh, with our peers still. And, you know, we're not perfect, but we've, come up with some ways that we've gone about transforming and, and transcending this kind of problem and the pain that comes with it. And that's what I, I think is something they're extremely fearful of and something that we can step in and try and help them with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in a nutshell, real quick, what would you say, and each one of you can just take a quick shot at this, what is the value of going rogue? Wow, I got it. One, freedom. It's the ability to not freedom if you free yourself from a lot of external things and you free yourself to your your own your own internal truth you free yourself to let your soul express and manifest in the ways that it was meant to because you return back to i call it your inner child or your true self by getting rid of all the outside factors and all the things 
from outside society that were given to you that cause blockage and trapped emotions in you. As you get rid of these, you experience a sense of freedom, true freedom to express your true self from the depths of your soul. I definitely want to add to that freedom. I would say independence. Um, and I think I was just having a conversation actually with my girlfriend about this. And she said, it's the biggest paradox that America values freedom so highly yet so much of our culture is built on conforming to you have to go to college and have to graduate high school, graduate college, get a certain job, only certain categories that are considered successful. And like, I think when you get to the point of going rogue and saying, I'm going to say no to society's expectations of me and then see that's best for you, you achieve a true sense of freedom because you're like, it's almost like we've been illusion that we have freedom. I'm, I'm big on this. I'm actually writing my senior thesis kind of on this. On the, uh, We've been illusioned to think that like in America we have this individual freedom, but there's so much actually going on with society and making us conform to certain things and playing on these evolutionary tendencies of approval and judgment that I don't think you're truly free unless you, in, in one way or another, go rogue in a fundamental way. No, Mark, I love that point. I guess the word I would use is you have a certain groundedness and genuine confidence in what you're doing and who you are. And when you're following some influence outside of you, society's influence, your parents, you don't, one, you listen to your intuition, you know, you deep down, and I knew this when I told my going rogue story, I've known for a while that my academic purpose in philosophy at UCSD didn't resonate with me. I just kept telling myself stories because it was familiar. Um, and now I feel, and it is painful, but on the other side is groundedness, genuine confidence, and, and true fulfillment. That's, that's how I do it. Uh, the only thing I would add, I would say, um, the, one of the best things about kind of getting to this other side is you get to define what success means for you. That's so important. And, it, and this is an ideal. It's hard to get here. But ideally, you don't want to be reliant outside of anything you can control to measure your worth on. There's, that is not a place you want to be. And that's what society keeps telling us. And that's why people keep pushing. They don't even know they're doing it. They can have all the knowledge that happiness shouldn't be pushed in the future. But if you ask yourself in a room alone, if you're consistently fulfilled, you'll find the answer if you're not, if you're deeply honest with yourself. So I think uh, defining your own version of success, like my own version of success right now is confronting my deepest insecurities. That is enough for me. I don't care that I don't have a high paying job. I don't have a job. I don't care that I don't have this prestigious internship. Like that's the stuff other people got. Like, I, society. Society. I define my own version of success and that's frame. Like, that's society telling you real quick, like how you have to spend a leave of absence. You know, oh, you're taking leave of absence. What are you doing? And basically the answers are classes or internship, nothing outside. You get the classic disapproval. Like, Oh, I almost feel like unless I'm close to that person, I can't tell them that my goal for this year is true spiritual and personal transformation because I feel like I'm going to be harshly judged. But at the same time, since I have these great guys who, who have the same values, in some way, I've can now I'm less sensitive to that disapproval. I stand so strongly in it. I don't want to necessarily say it, but if I say it, I can face that disapproval not because I'm grounded. Well, and Nolan, and here's the thing, you know, what's what's the worst can, that can happen? So you are harshly judged. So. Is it a feeling? It's just an anxiety feeling. It passes and you get on with your life. Yeah, right? the thing yeah. is you silence the judgment and the haters by standing in your truth stronger than their judgment. Anyone who judges you, we got a really horrible comment. I remember one of our YouTube videos. And a, yeah, and a lot of hate to begin with because we were changing so directions of the channel from a Rocket League channel to our channel. That's a video game. Rocket. A video game, yeah. <laughs> 
but we stood in our truth, we kept making videos, guess what? None of them comment anymore because that's so much effort for them to have to put in to keep putting that hate out there. And I do believe that your truth and love, that outdoes hate every time. And you stand stronger in that and you accept those feelings at first and they do come up and you ultimately and knowing silence you, the haters. Knowing your, knowing your why, I think, is the big thing. You have to get comfortable with disapproval, especially at the beginning. But when your why is strong enough and clear enough, that's when you just let those feelings pass. That they barely even nudge you. You know why you're on your yeah, back. Yeah, that's a great point. Right, right. Well, other people's opinions become inconsequential when you have your own personal constitution firmly in place and you know your why. That's really good. Um, and the other thing is, and the reason that I always like to share a going rogue story is that the people that are feeling a, like they're in a place of discomfort and they're in a place of not being able to maybe make a new choice because they're afraid of, you know, being disapproved or judged or that it's going to be the wrong thing. It's too risky. It's too challenging. You know, there's a host of reasons that people don't do the things that they secretly dream about. And when we share these stories, um, I think it really helps inspire people. Um, you know, you, you kind of, by your own demonstration, feel like, give people the feeling that they have permission to do that too. That maybe if they just are willing to take the risk like you did, and it ended up to be such a good risk to take, it turned out so good. I think it, it gives people a little bit of extra inspiration to go ahead and maybe make a scary choice, a scary move. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I could not agree with that. Especially when we tell them that, you know, when we really go deep into how hard this was for us and describe those feelings, suffering and the pain is in this internal dialogue has a way of really connecting all of us. And so people will often think, wow, he was in the same place I was. He was maybe lower than I was and he got out of it. I can do that too. I think all of us can confidently say like, we wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. These rogue stories were the best spirituality and these discoveries I at least made about my inner voice. I know I'm committed at 22 for the rest of my life to working on my own insecurities. And I know it's the best thing for me. And I think they can all say the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, when we, uh, when we talked a little bit before, when we were getting acquainted, um, I know that um, a couple of you had maybe a couple of uh, questions or a couple of things you wanted to dialogue about. Uh, is there still something that's up that you want to make sure that we talk about today? Hmm. How much time's passed? If I haven't been asked, how much time's passed so far? We're at about an hour. Yeah, yeah. We, should, we should switch it over to you then. I think we have some questions for you. That's okay. Um, sure, sure. Lay it on me. Thank you for all the wonderful questions. Yeah, yeah. thank you. That's so amazing. My pleasure. Um, I want one of the biggest questions, and you kind of asked us this in a way with your question on like what's the advice we would give or where's the step we would start. Um, but my question is. How do you get someone who is openly closed-minded to personal growth, to thinking that mindset matters, who's so focused on the world and externals and kind of thinks that like working on this inner stuff can be selfish in a way? Um, how do you get them to, like what's the strategy to go about to like open their mind and get them to that first step of kind of awareness that like, mindset does matter. Yeah, and I'll add to that real quick. How do you create the space for those kind of people that seem so close-minded? 
to come to those conclusions themselves rather than getting in their face and telling them how they should transform. This is how you need to grow because you know that will push those people further away. And I remember a testimonial, I can't remember what the girl said about you, but something about how you almost unlocked, you went deep into her own heart and unlocked something she didn't even know was in herself. I forget which testimonial that was that I read, but it seems that you provide this mutual camaraderie and safe space for people to transform themselves, even if they are close-minded. So how do you do that? We would love to know. Yes. <laughs> Well, that's a, that's, that's a big question, um, but good question. Thank you for asking. So, you know, um, first of all, the, the short answer is you don't. You don't try to get somebody who has a closed mind or is not open to what you're all about and what you think that they um, would benefit from. If they're not ready just like you guys, you had to go through your own stuff and you had to be ready to be ready to be ready. You had to get ready at your own pace and in your own time and based on your own experiences. And then you, you opened up, you found something and, and then, you know, you were off to the races. So it's very difficult to, um, to, try to get someone to come on over to see things the way you see them or to consider looking at or reading about or learning about some things that you think would really help them. Even if you're right, <laughs> if they're not, you know, now, if it's somebody that's really close to you, let's say you're in relationship with somebody and, um, you know, this is, this is a bit of a challenge because, you know, maybe, you know, you're, it's, a, it's a girlfriend or you're married or it's somebody just really close to you um, that you really care about. So, you know, just generally, a couple of tips are just asking a question, asking, you're kind of waiting for an invitation. And to do that, you know, you can, you can look at this person that you really want to help um, and you could say, is there anything that I could do to make you feel better? Is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything I can do to help you? So that they have the option to say yes or no, I'm good. And if they say no, then you need to mind your own business. And that's really because, you know what I mean? you just can't force people, but you also can indirectly affect people by, by your own demonstration, which is what you're doing now. And when that person gets ready, when they get maybe tired of being frustrated, if that's what they are, um, then they'll start to maybe observe and they might in their own time frame say, you know what, um, maybe I will listen to something you have to share with me. But the more you force people, as you know, the more you try to force something on someone, the more resistance you get. And it makes people feel like you think you are smarter or wiser or farther along on the path to enlightenment, which yeah. just pisses people yeah. off. <laughs> it pushes them away. So yeah, yeah. So you just have to be very gentle and Again, if somebody's just not ready, they're not ready. And you just do your thing and you don't worry about it. You trust that they're going at their own pace because they have their own relationship with the world and with spirit or not. You know, whatever it is, it's their business. Yeah, no, that's a great that's answer. Excellent. And it resonates with me deeply because for so long, I've always considered myself the leader of my quadruple brothers. And I don't like to say that now because I don't view it that way. But 
I was so much trying to push and impose my own lifestyle. It would come across not even in what I said, but just the tone of my voice. Like, they, they ought to be doing this. I have it figured out, you don't. And they yeah. were so tough. That was and I had to transform within and get, that was out of insecurity when I transformed within. I started just doing things and demonstrating and transforming myself. And as weird as it sounds, I actually feel like I'm more of an inspiration to my brothers and they would never say this before than I was ever before when I was trying so hard to be inspiring to them and to force them. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, you know, you just want to make sure that if you have something that is so important to you that you want to share with somebody that you, that you broach the subject in such a way that you get their buy-in. So you ask, would you be willing to just talk about this one little thing I want to share with you? And if it's not your cup of tea, no harm, no foul, all good. And if it is, and you want to talk about it some more, cool. But you, you, you ask them so that, you know, you have permission to share what you want to share and you, and you make sure that they know if they're not interested or they're not ready, it's okay if they say not now you're, you're not going to hold that against them. Yes. It's a great point. Um, I have found in my romantic relationship that often back, like in the early stages, I used to kind of impose and just saying, this is what I would do, or you should work on this or go meditate or something. And that would totally turn her off. And I have found that when she is struggling or frustrated, the thing I turn to is like, do you want my advice and what I get in this situation? And I say it in a way where she knows if she says, no, I don't right now, I can handle this. I will give her her space. And by doing that and being and asking, she has actually now come to me with, with certain things and spiritual advice. And like, I've, I've, I'm, uh, I'm having her do this forgiveness exercise to forgive some hurt in the past. And I think she's really liking it and telling me she's liking it now. But it's because I stopped forcing that, like, I do it right and you don't. And mm-hmm. now she's actually open. People do not like it's a It's a psychology, it's a superior, inferior thing that, that absolutely nobody, nobody likes. Yeah, nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. But that's, and that's something that my, my husband and I do all the time. And, you know, we've been together for almost 40 years now, married for 36. And we will ask each other, is there something I can do for you? Is there something I can help you with? If I can see that he's frustrated or, you know, about something, um, rather than trying to say, what's going on? You know, tell me what's up. Would you like to talk about it? Yeah. And if he says, not now, cool, no problem. I don't take it personally. If you don't want to talk about stuff right now, it's all good. Then you go do you. And when you're ready, if you want, at some point, we'll talk about it or not. You know, it's just, you, you just, you offer up, you invite, and then you are not attached to an outcome. However it goes, it goes. It's not about you. Um, I wish we had a journal to write some of this stuff down. That was so, so <laughs> I'm, I'm storing it. So, so well, you'll be able to watch the video back again. Take notes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lori, I had another question for you. Um, so obviously we're very young and we, we are consider ourselves very wise for our age and a lot of people do. Um, what is, you have a lot more experience than us with just life experience. Briefly, maybe where were you at our age and what is like one thing you wish you knew at our age that maybe we already know or maybe we don't. I would, I would love to hear that. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, so at 22, let's see, at 22, I was, um, 
I think I had just met my husband. Wow. Yeah, just just prior to 22. I think I met him at 21. Um, and so at 22, we were literally living in an apartment together in downtown Chicago, um, just having a good time working in the bars and having fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think at that time, I was so much living in the moment that I, uh, you know, I'm trying to think, what would I go back and tell myself? Because I was having a lot of fun when I was 22. I didn't have any angst about anything. Um, and maybe it's because I had, I had already kind of started my journey of, of personal growth and studying spirituality before then. So, you know, I, I had a little bit of a, of a foundation in that area. Um, the other thing is, you know, maybe I was, um, maybe I just didn't really, I just had a natural sense of everything's going to be fine. I didn't have though the same, um, experience that you guys, I didn't, uh, my going rogue move was dropping out of high school in my senior year. I didn't even go the college route. I just said, no, I'm going to work. I just wanted to work. So I had started a business when I was 19 and, uh, and then I met my husband through that business and then that business failed miserably, but I got the guy <laughs> and, you know, and the rest is history. But, um, I think, you know, for most 22 year olds, I think that my advice would be to, um, and this kind of goes into having a goal. So my what I like to invite people to do is have your goal. So if you're 22 and you have a goal, the goal is kind of serves as your North star. It's sort of your guiding direction. So you know what direction you're going in, but that dash between here and now, and that goal that those are those chunks as you are racing from the now toward the next goal, the dash in between there is the largest portion of your life. That's the part uh, where you're transforming, where you're learning, where you're in periods of bliss and joy and then periods of chaos and angst. But that is all what is getting you ready for that to get there, right? But here's the trick. The goal is almost like a mirage because once you get to that thing, if you, if you get there, a lot of times we change course before we get there, but if you get there, then there's the next goalpost, right? You just, you pick a new one. So you have these like points along the, the journey of your life that serve to keep you going in a, in a general direction. It's like getting in the, in the, in the car to go on a car trip on a road trip. And you know, you might, you might have a point of going, you know, from coast to coast and you have a city in mind. So at least you know what direction you're going, but on the way you might kind of weave your way and, Oh, you know, there's an orchard over there. Let's go pick apples. Oh, there's, you know, cousin so-and-so lives over there. Let's go visit. But you still are going in the general direction, but you're enjoying the ride. You're enjoying the trip all along the way, all of the, the good and the bad and the happy and the sad, all that stuff in the middle. That's the juice of life right there. So, yeah, a sense of spontaneous flow within. So when you have like a North Star guidance system, but not a rigid fixed point, now right. there's to weave within the journey because oftentimes there's such a, 
if you're so set on one goal and it has to be this way, there's such a rigidity to that. And there's such a, we've struggled with, we've struggled with that a lot. It, things have to be this way. I think that's putting a demand on reality instead of saying, I prefer that. But if it happens not in exactly the way I want it to happen, yeah. that's okay. You let things right. unfold instead of yeah. trying to make it happen. And there's such a difference in energy shift. That's there. a good point. I think, I think the important part of that is like the goal doesn't have to change, but you have to be open-minded to how you get. I think that's that's the biggest takeaway. Like the, the weeds, it's like you will take a spontaneous path that when you look back and you do reach that goal, you're gonna look back because I mean we we've all reached goals and be like, I could have never ever predicted how I've got there. And so like, why is it that you set such a rigid expectation if always looking back in retrospect on the path that actually ended up unfolding? Like, why do we try and yeah? Why do we try and control reality like that when it never ends up like that? It's just it's a waste of our energy, and it makes us miserable when it does veer off off a little bit. It's still getting us there, but we can't see that when we set try to control reality like that. Mm-hmm. I also really like what you said about this car road trip on the car. That I think everyone's really good at accepting the happy moments on the journey, but they're really bad at accepting the sad moments and just coming. Coming to acceptance that that's part of the experience. You would never get to where you want to go without sad, hard times. And those are the times you grow even more than the happy times. Absolutely. So, right. you come to peace that pain is part of the process. And I'll just give a quick example. On an actual road trip we were on about a month ago, there were some great, great, awesome moments. But there was also a moment where we were coming back from Crater Lake in Oregon, and there was no service, and it was so dark that we didn't even know if we were going to make it home. And we just got kicked out of our Airbnb and we had to sleep in the car <laughs> right outside of the Airbnb. I'm not joking. Um, but looking back, we went to one any other way. That made part of that made the experience yeah. it was not just a happy moment. It's a good example. Exactly. Yeah, that is a great example. Because here's the thing. Um, you're right. You you don't how much do you really learn from the good times? You yeah. you learn from the challenges and from the stuff that that is challenging you and your emotions and how you're going to handle things and how you're going to respond to things. And, um, you know, and the more that you practice the things that you guys are, are learning and practicing and doing now, the more um, resilient you are when you are tested with the bigger challenges. And, you know, and then, yeah, you have great stories to look back on, but when the shit hits the fan, you're not going to fall apart because you're, you are cultivating this really great awareness. You're learning how to um, master your emotions a little bit and, and um, respond to things in a way that is not going to you know, throw everything out of whack and, you know, being, being at a place so young where you are um, just accepting that not everything is under your control, but what is under your control is how you're going to, what, what does it mean to you? And how do you, um, how do you define it? And how are you going to respond to it? Those are all freedoms that Everybody has. We all have those choices, and it's just a matter of realizing it and then practicing it rather than just reacting spontaneously the way you always have reacted your whole life to things. I so agree, and I think that's what ultimately makes a difference between because everyone suffers, but who comes out of that suffering transformed and who comes out of that in total destruction comes down to exactly the things you were saying. Are you going to escape it through some external thing? Are you really going to go within and cultivate that sense of self-awareness and see what you can learn from it. That's when you look back and say, wow, I'm so happy that it happened. That doesn't happen for everyone. It's our choice, those choices to be free in those moments and cultivate awareness that will let us look back 
and say that was meant to happen. Lori, do we have time for one more question? Yes, we do. Uh, it kind of builds off what we were talking about. So when we have these moments where life throws us tests, spiritual tests, whatever you want to call them, um, we get kicked out of our Airbnb, whatever, and we have to choose how to respond. Um, one thing we can do is simply observe whatever feelings and thoughts come up and simply just let ourselves sit with them, not indulge in them, kind of try and separate ourselves from all the commotion going on in our mind and the emotions that go crazy when life doesn't go the way we think it ought to. But you talk a lot about this idea of a mental diet and reprogramming the way we respond to situations, the, our belief patterns, our thought patterns. So past pure observation and noticing what, and um, connecting to what's going on in you, what is like the next step to be more calm in like the face of life's challenges and to reprogram your beliefs? Because I would like to believe I can all that it's more than just, oh, you just have to experience enough of these roadblocks to cultivate the mindset. Like I feel like there's some way to speed that up and just like, oh, you just need to have like 20 years under your belt of uh, facing situations as you emotionally and mentally. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think to me, one of the best places to start is to start pausing and becoming aware of the meaning that you're applying to the situation. Because whatever that meaning is, the meaning is going to then generate the thoughts, more thoughts about it, which generate your emotions. I mean, the emotions don't just pop up out of the blue. They are, they are a, an effect of, of a cause. And that cause can be traced back usually to your thoughts and then traced back to your, uh, the meaning that you're applying to anything. So I think that if you are able to sit, to start to practice pausing and then go, why, why am I experiencing these emotions? So maybe there's something that's uncomfortable. You're angry, you're frustrated, you're sad. All right. Cause I'm thinking about this thing in this way. I'm dwelling on it, which means you're living in there in that place in your head. And then if you back that up to, yeah, but where are the thoughts coming from and why am I thinking these thoughts? Well, it's because it means this to me. So I've defined it in such a way. Here's the meaning. Then you have, again, the ability, the choice, the freedom to say, what if I decided this means something else? Could it mean something different? And that is where then, if you can change the meaning, then you can change the thoughts, the beliefs. The beliefs are just thoughts you think over and over again. So then you will generate corresponding emotions. So to me, that's kind of a, a, a key starting point is to get into the habit of backtracking to that initial meaning and just practicing it. And then, then you can change your reaction because otherwise, you know, when you react, you're acting again, you're, you're acting in the same way that you would maybe different person, different thing, but the issue is the same and you just keep reacting the same way. So you act over and over again. And I like to make this little distinction of rather than react, you can respond. But the way that I differentiate is in my mind, I think responsible correspondence. What would be a responsible way to correspond you know, with this person or this situation. And that helps me differentiate between a reaction and a more measured response. Does that make sense? 
Um, yeah, because I don't think it's something else that Dr. Jones kind of says, but I won't leave that. Um, but I was thinking, my thoughts can go crazy sometimes on ideas like this, but I just love talking about this stuff. Um, all I was basically going to say was that I think, Lori, what you're adding to Nolan's point and question is like, Nolan says just observe and like sit with it and like accept. But like, I think after yours is like the second step. Like, once you've accepted that those feelings come up, you're now taking a step to question why and then what the meaning assigned uh, is doing and looking back on that. And then by looking back on the meaning, you can then change your thoughts. You change your thoughts, you change the emotion, you change the emotion, you change the behavior. Yeah, and it works in the cycle. Yeah. And I think the observation, like we said earlier from Angelic Souls, what creates that gap between you and those thoughts. And now in, those, in that gap, you can install the new meaning and reprogram that by which the next time that happens, you might not have to observe as strongly those reactions because you actually change the meaning. But it does start with the observations and that prevents you from reaction. Yeah, yeah. so you're not lost in that. I want to mention, because um, some people will say, oh, spirituality has no scientific backing. <laughs> well, some of it does, and, and a lot of it doesn't, but from personal experience, it changed my life, and I think many people. But the, the idea of observing may seem obscure, but there's actually science that shows, and this is from the book Noam was talking about, The Four Sacred Secrets, I think it's neuroscience, that when someone doesn't almost indulge in a thought pattern, but mm -hmm. sits back and watches it, it doesn't get, let's say it's like, I see a dog that looks like my ex-girlfriend's dog. And I go down this 10 minute rant in my head of how bad she was. When, I'm now strengthening that neural connection that, that, that now she can cause me pain at different moments that remind me of her. But when you observe, it's, I see a dog, start thinking about her. And then I don't keep going. I don't let myself keep going. You weaken the neural connection that constructed that wall that's meant that means you suffering. That's how observing can then open gap yes. to new belief. That's the scientific backing for the gap that I was talking about. And which is all the meaning that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly right. And and you're right, the uh, the convergence um, of, of science and spirituality is, is, well, quantum physics pretty well shows that there's, they're not separate. They're, they're, they're not. There's all kinds of, of, of scientific proof in all of these um, things that in this activity that you would we would call um, spiritual or spirituality. But it, it when you get down to the very essence of it, they're um, they're not separate from one another. So I think that's a really good point to make. Um, and there are plenty of amazing um, doctors and scientists and researchers out, you know, that have books out right now that, um, that, you know, let us know that show all kinds of proof of that. But I think, you know, observing, starting with observing your, your feelings, that's, that's really good. It, and I think that to be able to just pause long enough so that you're not just, you know, this knee-jerk reaction to everything, to just pause and, and to kind of look at yourself, to look down at yourself and be able to actually do it with um, humor. Like, wow, look at, look at how nutty I just got over that. Really, you know, to be able to, to look in the mirror and call your own bullshit is very powerful. And part of that is being able to stop and look at, you know, look at, the way that you are reacting to people and the way you're trying to control things and the way you're just not, you're resisting things. But 
to just sit and and consider why you're feeling what you're feeling and just give it some thought. And you're right that the more that you are able to observe that and just kind of go through this process, the more things that seemed a minute ago or an hour ago or a day ago to be just the only thing that you could think about, the more you do that, the more they just seem to become insignificant. And yeah. And that, I think if people would just give that a chance and practice that, um, we have such a feeling of lightness and freedom. And really, what what more do you want? Because the freedom is when you get to experience more joy and happiness in your life. One, 100%. And I was going to bring up something you said about looking in the mirror and calling your own bullshit. What's funny is that Noel and I actually did an exercise this week where we actually took 20 minutes to physically stare at ourselves in the mirror and call our own bullshit and, and see whatever comes up. And I came up with that randomly one day when I was in the gym by myself and it just felt right. And I started crying my eyes out because so much had come up so many, I just let it all pass through me. And I felt kind of liberated after. Yeah. I felt like, oh my God, my brain's going crazy about how weird I look or all my different insecurities. It just wants to go on some thought pattern. It can't just be, and then I just, it can't just be present. And then I, at the end, I felt like a sort of liberation. Well, I just confronted my, that's like an exercise. You know, super, un, one of the most uncomfortable and kind of scary things I've ever done. And I've done it four times now in the last eight days because I'm kind of obsessed with it. It's like, it's scary to look at yourself in the mirror for long enough because you really start to see past your body and past your own bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And you can do the same, you can do the same exercise, but you can do it with different questions. And it's very odd and awkward at first, but you can, you can um, look at yourself and you can say, um, I forgive you for, and then you can go through a bunch of stuff that you forgive yourself for. And, you know, you can, you could say, I love you for, or I promise that moving forward, I will always, you know, you can, you can go through this process and it's really weird and awkward, which is, which is very strange, isn't it? That it should be weird and awkward for us to look at our own self in the mirror and have a conversation like that or a, or a Q and a, you know, but it's an awesome exercise. I think it's very cool that you're doing that. So, so you guys, um, we have gone, wow, like, oh my God, 90 minutes. This is blown by. Let's tell everyone real quick where they can find you and your, what you talk yeah. about. So you can find us primarily on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is called The Karma Quads. We release videos every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we really try to cultivate and share lessons so people are aware of kind of these things that we've learned over time. And we want to give people the tools to be able to embody these kind of things. For example, one of the things Nolan just talked about with staring at yourself in the mirror is actually part, I got it this from him, I'm creating an authenticity action blueprint because I think people hear the word authenticity, but they're not really sure how to go about yeah. becoming more authentic. So I'm very close to releasing a document that ideally, a free document that will help people even further start on that path to, I think it goes from confronting yourself, then it goes to getting to know yourself, to accept yourself, to love yourself, and then find yourself. Sounds yourself. easy. Just be authentic. So much fun. Yeah. <laughs> and so is there's that and many more on, like much more on our YouTube channel. And we all have a great time. You've seen some of our videos with bloopers. We find humor and deep insights. You can also find us on Instagram at the Karma Quads. And we're about to get a TikTok too for the younger generations. Karma Quads as well. 
Perfect. Um, I think that this has been awesome and I love everything you've shared and I really appreciate all the time that you guys spent with us today. So thank you all so much and I look forward to keeping track of what you're all up to. Thank, thank you, you so much, Laura. Yeah, Laurie, I would say that you this is, speaks to just you know how amazing you are. You provide a space where we feel like we have like a new friend, not just you know someone who interviewed us. Because I, I know we all felt that before that we need your energy, but I felt like there was a mutual camaraderie here, and that was really really special. It's so, so easy to talk to and relate to. Like it was, it was not. I came in a little nervous, not gonna lie. And once your face and your smile and your passion, yeah, it, it just helps. And thank you, you. And you easily embody the message you're trying to get to the viewers that like no one's better than anyone else. You're all on equal playing field, just trying to make it through this struggle of life. And you definitely, you could, you have far more experience than us. And I literally felt we're on the same sort of playing field. I feel that's awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate your words very much. It means a lot to me. Um, all right, so listen, everyone. Um, if you are listening to this on your podcast app, I would encourage you to jump on over and watch our conversation on YouTube so you can um, just see the interaction and feel like you really know these guys a lot better because they're they're amazing and they're they're very handsome guys and I think they're going to go a long way. So please make sure to head on over to YouTube and check it out. If you find value in what you heard today, please take a minute to give it a rating and review. That means a lot to us. And your reviews inspire other people to give it a listen and hear all of the good shift that is being shared here. So until next week, stay feisty, my friends. Stay healthy and go make some epic ship shift. Ooh, I almost said the I almost said it without the F. Go make some epic shift happen in your lives. See you next week. Oh, that goes for you too, Gary Vee.